Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to this Good Friday service. We hope you get a lot from it today. We're, we're buzzing here. That is me and Shelley buzzing in our apartment. <laughs> so a warm welcome to all the global churches, but also all our guests and friends. I hope you get something from this message. I believe you will. Even if it's just a line, um, I mean a line of sentence, sentences here. Uh, even if it's just a line, you'll you'll get something that will strengthen you. You know, as, as we're, we're in this, this time of lockdown, time of intense pressure at times, Times of kind of when's it all going to end? Will please will somebody just put it to a to to an end? Let's just get on with life again. But you know what? Life is going to change for us. But one thing that doesn't change is our human nature. One thing that that doesn't change is our need for God. And uh, I want to encourage you, especially if you're visiting. You know, listen for God to speak to you during this time. But for global church as well, I want to encourage you in your faith. And I'm going to read from two Corinthians. Uh, chapter 5 and it says this therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has gone and the new has come all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ who gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's sins against them that is brilliant and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. In other words, we've got to go and help others to find God and to be reconciled with God. That God has, uh, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you in Christ, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, that is Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, there's a divine exchange that goes on at the cross. Jesus takes all our badness, because all our sin was laid upon him, and he gives us, all, you know, he gives anybody that will believe in him, he will give, give them all his goodness. He takes all our badness and gives us all his goodness and I want to have a look at that because you know so often we look at the the death of Jesus and it can get it can get heavy and intense or it can go the other way where we buy each other a necklace and there's a cross on the end and it's like oh isn't that nice no it's not nice it's like wearing a gallows around your neck or or an electric chair around your neck well I bought him I, I, I bought him because we're falling in love and I just thought oh I saw that it's it's a it's a, a, a the cross is, is a, a an instrument of torture. Uh, it's the worst form of torture that man has ever invented. It's, t it's terrible. And Jesus went through it for you and for me. And why? Because he knew that we were locked up. We were bound up in sin and selfishness. We inherited that from Adam and Eve. When they fell in the Garden of Eden, when they gave in to temptation, then the, the stream of human life was polluted and now we, you know every human being you know we we inherit that sinful nature we're not sinners because we do things wrong we do things wrong we've got this disease called sin 
you never have to teach a child uh, how to do wrong. You only have to teach a child how to do right. You never have to teach a child how to say no, isn't it funny? One of the first things they come out with is no. When they find the power of that word, we only have to teach them how to say yes. And it's the same with us. And I want to have a look at uh, why Jesus came and uh, the benefits for us as believers of Jesus dying on the cross. He wanted to bring us freedom from guilt. And whether you feel, feel guilty, whether you don't feel guilty, we are still guilty before God. We have broken his laws. We've turned our back on his love. And so he holds us guilty for all the sins that we've committed. Nobody gets away with anything. And he's also, Jesus, by coming and, and dying on the cross, living a perfect life, he brought the power of addictions. And in, in John's Gospel, John chapter 8, Jesus said, whoever sins, they are a slave to sin. And, um, you know, some sins we can break free from. I used to do this, this uh, like, example with toilet paper. as appropriate these days. <laughs> toilet paper. We used to go into schools lessons and we would tie, we'd get a volunteer out. We'd tie them up with toilet paper and we'd say, try and break free. Well, they just broke free. And we said, there are some things that you can break free from. Then we would tie them up with rope and we would tie it tight and we'd say break free and they couldn't. And we said the longer you go into something, the more addicted you get and you are stuck with it and it becomes part of your personality. And Jesus died on the cross to break the power of sin and addiction on our lives. Jesus said whoever sins, they are a slave to sin or addicted to sin. You know, some people say I've got an addictive personality. There's news for you. We all have an addictive personality. And that's why I like a few verses after that in John chapter 8 where Jesus says, But if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And I know uh, some of you guys in Global, I've known you long enough now to know your journey. And how, you know, over the months and years, God has been setting you free from sins and addictions and stuff like that. It's fantastic. You know, I came, I became a believer, but I had my sins and my addictions and, uh, and God has had to set me free. And then you find out that you're addicted to bad temper. You're, you're addicted to being nasty. You, you know, you can't have, you can't overlook somebody's nastiness to you. You have to get revenge. You know, Jesus wants to set us free from these things. They're all internal, but this is part of the journey of faith. And I want to encourage you, don't give up and don't give up on yourself. We are a work in progress and we need to just learn to encourage ourselves with, the, with you know, things in the Bible like I've just read. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come and, and we've got to learn to live in the new, the new person. Jesus wants to set us free from fear. You know, so many times we're frightened of life itself, never mind death. We are, that's the greatest fear, but but we're frightened of life itself and Jesus has come and he wants to put a different spirit in us. Not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of boldness and of self-control and great love. So it's, it's fantastic the change that he makes. So watch out for that happening in your life. And in this lockdown period, you know, have a look at some of these scriptures and, and be encouraged, be strengthened. But it's not just freedom from, it's freedom for or freedom to. You know, Jesus is in heaven, but he sent his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. And now we have freedom to love God. And, you know, I know some of you, I knew you before you were believers. And then I, and then I, I, I watched you become believers and get baptized and things like that. 
and I've seen the transformation and it's so fantastic watching you and I want to encourage you keep going keep believing but you know uh, in Isaiah 59 uh, chapter 59 verse 2 it says see your sins have separated you from your God and when Jesus died on the cross he removed the barrier he removed the sin barrier so that now you're free to believe and you, more than that you're free to love God and isn't it strange you start to love God and you've never seen him Peter writes about this in his letter one of the disciples he says though you have not seen him you love him and you are filled with an inexpressible joy when I first read that years ago as a new Christian I thought I get that like I'm buzzing and I don't, I'm buzzing about Jesus and, and it's like but I've never seen him and when I read it I was so encouraged I thought Peter was explaining to uh, believers who had never seen Jesus like he had and he said, you're filled with that inexpressible joy. And they're going, yeah, we are, yeah, we are. And so I pass it on to you. It's freedom to love God, freedom to love your fellow man. In other words, not having a self-centered life, just like me and my family want to have a great life. That's good. But it's bigger than that. We're giving ourselves to a bigger life. We love living and we live loving. And I love that, that little phrase. I love a bit of cheese because it helps you to remember it's a cheesy saying but it helps you to to remember it we love living and we live loving and freedom to change freedom to change our lifestyle and romans uh, book of romans chapter 8 verse 1 and 2 it talks about uh, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in christ we don't walk around with guilt and condemnation we're free why it says because the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death and you know the reading earlier was talking about those who are in Christ if anyone is in Christ they are a new creation but we're not born that way we are born into Adam and he's ruled over by the law of sin and death and it's drudgery and it's not until you give your life to Christ that that is broken on your life the curse of sin and death is broken and now you receive this life the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death now we're able to rise above our sinful nature and win back rulership of our lives this is a great inheritance so i want to have a look at at uh, jesus and the seven places where jesus shed his blood two thousand years ago two thousand miles away are you ready for this so number one in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, it said, the weight of what he was about to go through, he, he perspired blood, he perspired drops of blood. And so intense was, was what he was facing, not just death, but eternal death. Jesus said, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. And that word for means instead. He died instead of us. He took the punishment for sin that we deserved. He didn't sin. He who had no sin was made sin for our sakes so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is such good news. And so Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he perspired blood. And people have doubted that. But you know something, when you go back into the annals of our history as a nation and historians have, have recorded young men they were about to go over in the first world war they were about to go over the hill over the the trenches knowing that they were just cannon fodder really but they have to do it they have to they're, they're commanded you've got to go and then they go 
and it says that they perspired blood. It's a psychosomatic, that's the right word, but it's, it's something, it's a phenomena that happened. And it happened to Jesus. And you know, what was Jesus doing, perspiring blood? He was wrestling with his will in conflict with his father's will. Jesus said, I have come down to do the will of him who sent me. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was enormous, his decision. And he said, he prayed, Father, take this cup from me. In the Bible, the cup means suffering. Take this cup from me, but not my will. Let your will be done. In a garden, thousands of years earlier, Adam surrendered his will to Satan. He gave in and he gave in to temptation and sickness and death and disease entered the world through Adam's disobedience. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, the Son of God, he kept his surrender to God. He didn't give in. And so what did Jesus win for us in the Garden of Gethsemane? He won the power of our free will. He won back for us willpower, the will to do the right thing. And you know, before we were believers, we all went with the flaw and you know, just it's so much easier to go with the flaw. Any dead fish can swim downstream, but it takes a live fish to swim upstream. And what Jesus did, he was swimming upstream. Adam just went with the flaw. What kind of person are you? kind of person are you becoming? Because in Christ, in Jesus, your, your, your will can be strengthened and your willpower can be strengthened. Jesus died on the cross, sorry, shed blood in the garden of Gethsemane to win back our willpower. That's gonna be helpful. You, if, if you wanna train for something, if you wanna lose weight, if you wanna overcome things, you'll need willpower and it's been broken by sin and selfishness. And you know, Jesus has restored it for us. This is good news. The power to change, the willpower has been won back for us. Number two, Jesus shed blood from his back. He was beaten with, with whips and they were usually uh, leather thongs with pieces of hook bone or copper at the end. And there were leaded weights all the way down and they would be whipped on the backs and on the, anyone that was gonna get crucified, they were whipped on the backs and whipped on the backs of their legs. And uh, Eusebius writing about this, a third century historian, he said the, the victim's backs were open to exposure. You could see the veins, the sinews, the tissues, even the bowels were exp uh, exposed. And he said, not many men or not many people survived the whipping but Jesus in the prime of his life 33 years old a carpenter by trade so strong man even carried his own cross he survived the whipping he kept going why because God was with him and taking him to the place where God designed for him to die to pay the price for our sin he was a ransom for many a ransom instead of the many he took your place and my place but by his stripes we are healed, the Bible says, and it's those stripes that we can come back to God now and say, Lord, will you heal me of this disease? Can you heal me of this problem or that problem? Healing can flow. Jesus, by, by shedding his blood from his back, he has won back for us the healing that Adam let go of. And so it's, it's just fantastic now because we, that helps us with fear because now when things happen to us, even if coronavirus comes, then we resist it and we're able to pray, Lord, heal me in the name of Jesus. 
And I want to hear more and more stories about people being healed from coronavirus because Jesus is the name above every name. And uh, when something's got a name, it has to come under his name. And Jesus is healing. And uh, at the cross, he won healing for us. Matthew put it like this. Surely he carried our infirmities. You don't have to put up with sickness any longer. You can bring it to Jesus and be healed. Number three, Jesus was beaten and bruised. And the game that the soldiers played was possibly four, maybe more soldiers would stand around. Maybe, I mean, there were 16 in the kind of the outfit. But they, the, the game that they played was they would blindfold the victim that was about to be crucified. And they would stand around him and then they would punch the victim but the victim hadn't to hit the floor so they would punch the victim upwards so Jesus wouldn't know where the next punch was coming from and they lifted him with the punches these were trained men these were all like Tyson Fury and, and you know just just punching him upwards as strong as Tyson Fury <laughs> you know punching him upwards punching him upwards and Isaiah writing 800 years before it happened he said he was so disfigured it didn't he didn't even look like a human being he was bruised and battered and you know bruising is bleeding on the inside bleeding under the skin and Jesus went through that in order to deliver us from our iniquities let me just read to you from what is an iniquity I want to read to you from from uh, Isaiah and this is a, a, a prediction about Jesus coming it was written 800 years before it happened but it said he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. All the mess that we've made with our lives was heaped upon him. The wrong decisions that we've made that have caused us to live a life that was very similar to our parents, our grandparents. Sometimes there are sins that come right the way through the family. And history repeats itself generation after generation after generation. And the decisions that we make hurt us. You'll know about that. Many of you in Global have, have shared your stories and the wrong decisions that you've made and how it's affected you and your family. And you know, the disciple Peter, he wrote two, uh, two letters in the Bible. And in one of them he said, that we was forgiven and set free, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but he says, but by the precious blood of Jesus. He set us free from the empty way of life handed down from past generations. And I was determined as a young man with a young family, and I was a believer by this time. I became a believer at 19. And me and Shelley met when I uh, married when I was 24 and she was 21. When we had our first son, and as well, all our sons, when they grow up, uh, I determined not to glorify some of the things that I've done that are sinful and, and, and not great, really. But it is, isn't it a quirk of human nature that we big up what we should be ashamed of? 
and I wouldn't tell them about certain characters in my family, in the wider family, uh, all the stories of fighting and imprisonment and uh, you know drunkenness and parties and this, that and the other. I never glorified that because I wanted different, different outcome for my sons. And it wasn't until they were older in life that you know we can now they, they ask questions and I'm able to you know fill them in on on some of the things that have gone on in the past family and they're shocked sometimes surprised and sometimes they laugh but they're as determined as me as to say we don't want that for that for our future and um, when Jesus was beaten and bruised it was so that you and I could have a, a better future for our family so I don't care where you've come from you know that in global I don't care what your past is what I want to know is will you learn from are you going to come through and it's not just self-effort. Jesus died on the cross to re-empower us, you know, with a, a strong will that wants to do God's will. And with healing, so that we're not being held back by generational stuff that, you know, well, they had a bad back, they had a bad back, they had a bad back, or they've always had arthritis and it runs in the family. No, let it stop here at the cross. We cut it off now and we start afresh in this generation. That's the good news. Number four, I want to look at the, the crown of thorns that were placed on Jesus' head. They're not like a little rose bush where you go, oh, just prick my thumb. No, no, no. These were two inches, you know, big, strong thorns. And, and the, the sadistic Roman soldiers weaved a crown of thorns. And Matthew, in Matthew 27, it said they placed the crown of thorns on his head and they beat him with a stick again and again and again till eventually them thorns pressed into his head and blood was shed you know from his head and thorns represent work in the bible in genesis chapter 3 when adam and eve had rebelled against god god said you know because you the judgment that i'm going to bring to you is that cursed is the ground from now on in and you will work by the sweat of your brow and there will be thorns and thistles that will get in your way and you're going to toil for the rest of your life at the cross Jesus reversed the curse and so now prosperity can come to us and prosperity can only come if you think differently and a better future can come why because those crown of thorns were placed on Jesus's head and then beaten into it so that blood came out he shed his blood so that your mind can be renewed your mind could be changed no longer dominated by regrets and depression looking back but moving forward you know you can't drive a car by looking in your rear view mirror all the way no you've you've got you've got to let the past be the past and god it was in christ you know reconciling the world to himself bringing people to himself making provision for you and me to have a great life here and now not just heaven when we die although it goes right into heaven the crown of thorns jesus won back our prosperity the nails in the hands. You know, when Jesus was crucified, they, they laid the cross on the floor and then the victim was put on the cross and they would put a rope around both arms and they would pull the rope until one of them came out to joint. And then they would put a nail through the wrist and then they'd do the same with the other, keep pulling it till that came out to joint. And then they would put a nail through the wrist and they often put rope around. And, uh, and then they would place the feet uh, one on top of another and put a big 12-inch spike right the way through the balls of his feet. And then they would lift up the cross 
and as the cross was lifted up it would sink into a pre-made a pre hole in the ground and as it sank in it would shudder and all the bones at the top half of, a, of the victim's body would have come out to joint and they would have been paralysed from the waist upwards and there was a little plinth just round the backside where, where the victim could take respite from the, the pain on their feet and, and the pain in their hands but then the pain got too much in the hands, I, would, I should say. Then they'll press up on their feet because crucifixion's all, all about suffocation. And so Jesus would be gasping for air. And when the pain got too much on his feet, he'd go down onto the plinth. But the pain would get too much in his hands and he would press up again, gasping for air. This went on for some people for hours and days. And uh, even a week for some people. And it was the most you know ludicrous I mean an incredible way of torturing people and it struck fear in the hearts of men and women who ever thought they could rebel against Rome and you know Jesus wasn't rebelling against Rome he was paying the price for your sin and my sin you know and as believers this this Easter we should be thrilled not saddened but thrilled just saying thank you for doing that for me for God's soul love the world He's paying the price of our sin. Listen, if we could go to heaven because we were good people, why did Jesus die on a cross? If we could go to heaven by going to church and, and trying our best to please God, it's like, why did he die on a cross? No, there's only one way to come back to the Father and that's through his son. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And it's believing in Jesus that makes us right with God because he removes all the sin and the barrier. But he does more than that, he empowers us. And the nails in the hands, Jesus won back the touch of our hands. You know, often in the Old Testament, question was asked in the Psalms, who can approach the hill of the Lord? And it says, those with a clean hands and a pure heart. Later in the New Testament, Paul said, I wish that men would lift up holy hands to God in prayer and what you're saying is my hands are clean I'm paying me tax I'm not cheating anybody at work and he wants to restore great practices into us it's fantastic and so Jesus hands was was uh, you know shed blood so that ours could be purified his feet were nailed to the cross what does what does that signify it signifies that that wherever we walk in this life Jesus has promised to be with us and he's restored the ability for us to uh, to be able to walk and live and thrive wherever our feet take us in the past our feet would take us into sinful things or things that were not good for us or when we had no regard for God and we just did our own thing but now the Bible says that God orders our steps and we are looking now for God to lead us because with our hands and our feet, we want to be prosperous. We want a great life for, for our kids and our grandchildren and ourselves. And Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 says, Whatever the blessed man does, prospers. Whatever he does, whatever he turns his hand to, or whatever she turns her hand to. You know, church, this is our inheritance with Jesus. That we can now walk knowing that God is with us. In Joshua chapter 1. God spoke to Joshua and he was the successor of Moses and Moses had split the Red Sea. I mean, I mean, follow that. 
and, and Joshua comes and God had to encourage this man and he said to him, at 80 year old, he said to Joshua, no man will be able to stand against you. I want to speak that out today. Nobody can stand against you. When God's on your side, you are a majority. And you know, the, the spike in the feet, God is buying back for us the ability to walk with God and, and inherit the promise. Wherever you set the place of your feet, I'll give it to you. You will be prosperous. I'll be with you. And last of all, Jesus shed blood from his heart and the centurion punctured his heart with a spear because they wanted to make sure Jesus was dead. But before that, that spike went in, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. The word that he uses there is, is paid in full. And Jesus, it was used when somebody was buying a house or buying something. It's paid in full. Jesus has paid for your sins and my sins that, uh, that made us stand against God, that were separated us from God, that blocked our way from going to heaven or receiving things from heaven. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. It was a victory shout. He says, you know, he bowed his head and he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. And uh, you know the price has been paid. Stop walking around with guilt. Stop walking around with intimidation. Stop walking around with thinking about the past and all the failures. No, whoever is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And uh, you know, uh, Jesus, his heart was punctured and blood and water came out. And I want to say there is healing in Jesus for broken hearts. Maybe you've been divorced once, maybe you've divorced more than once, but I want to say, give your life to Jesus. Give the remainder of your life to Jesus. Give him everything, the good, the bad and the ugly, and let him make something with your life. And you know, you, know, you can't unbreak eggs, but you can make omelets. And God can't change the past, and neither can we, but we can have a different future if we'll give our life to Jesus. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.